Have you ever wondered how the best creatives have gone about crafting a particular brand identity? Have you ever tried to break down how they do it, why they fail, how they succeed, how they capture the magic of a perfectly constructed brand campaign and intertwine it with a killer strategy? Well, that's exactly what we're about to explore here. Welcome to Breaking Brand, an original series from Buffer about some of the most innovative brand builders in the business. I'm Ash Reed, Editorial Director here and your host. In our first two episodes, we heard from part of the founding team at one of New York's top agencies, Gin Lane. We got some insight into how they came to build arguably one of the best branding agencies in their country. And then growth linearly, it wasn't like it would be expected to be. You know, I didn't know what it was, but I knew there was something there. That's Emmett Shine, co-founder of Gin Lane talking about part of the journey to closing down his wildly successful company to create an entirely new venture, Pattern, a multi-brand direct-to-consumer company with a mission to help you enjoy daily life. Now, it can't be easy convincing 30 people at your company to embrace discomfort and take a risk on a new venture. I think we first came to the group kind of like excited kids showing something to their parents. And what we learned is we had to slow down a step back and communicate parts of it over time and also help other people give input into it. We had this big moment where we told people about it, but actually getting people understanding and bought into it was every Monday talking about it. As a company, we have a Monday morning meeting every Monday, and it started becoming a regular topic is, how do we talk about this? What are we really trying to do? Where have we got to with this? And I'm certain some of our team felt completely on the outside of it until six months ago. And some people felt this was the one thing I want to be doing in my career from the first time we mentioned it. And I think it's learning that different people take their own time and their own ways to understand what ideas are and what they mean to them. But for any company out there in the world, making these pivots isn't easy. And learning to be empathetic, understanding how other people would feel and what this really meant has been like an incredible growth opportunity for all of us as leaders. Emmett, Camille and Nick spent years building up what Emmett referred to as one of the best creative teams in the whole of the US. They wanted that same team to follow them on the new path they were traveling on. Because from working with plenty of clients over the years at Gin Lane, Emmett had learned to appreciate just how invaluable it is to have a great team driving a brand forward. I always like the phrase, bet on the jockey, not the horse. And what it means for like racetrack betting is um, don't always just look at, you know, this the prestigious horse or its build, really get to know who actually is you know, uh, maybe the unsung hero, the, the jockey who's, who's riding it. Without retaining such a great team, Emmett knew Patton wouldn't succeed. The Patton narrative weaves in and out of a lot of different things that are happening all at once. Client work, coming up with new brands, market research, the list goes on. But the most important aspect of all of this work was identifying Patton's reason for existing and figuring out why consumers would care about the business. I asked Camille to explain that a bit better. You mentioned in a previous interview that 
brand needs something consumers can hold them accountable for? Like, what do you think consumers can hold Pattern accountable for? Like, what does it solve for consumers? A top line, it's solving this notion of burnout in our society, in our culture, in our generation, and thinking about whether whether burnout for you comes from your daily commute or the amount you use your smartphone or the amount that you concentrate on work and have trouble unplugging. There's something in our collective consciousness right now that is shared, which is that feeling of anxiety and and exhaustion. And I think we want to be held accountable for truly helping people to get rid of that feeling and give themselves permission to get rid of that feeling because they're the only ones that are truly in control of it. And so how do we give them permission through helping them to understand the mindset, but also giving them tools for the activities and support for doing those activities that they'll need to kind of reach this notion of enjoying daily life. And when you're crafting the brand, was Enjoy Daily Life the first part you came up with or did that come after you built the personality and everything else that supports the brand? Yeah, for pattern, it was Enjoy Daily Life came first. But again, we had already had so many building blocks laid down that we had ideas for the identity. But with pattern, once we had Enjoy Daily Life, it's always easier once you have the strategy and the route to, to see, okay, how do we most accurately convey that? We had a bunch of mood boards floating around, but it wasn't until that that it was really, really clear, okay, this is a family of brands that are all geared towards that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the fun thing about like branding and marketing is you can do years worth of research, but if you can't boil it down to this thin sliced, you know, visual or quick interface or logo or tagline, it doesn't matter. Then it's just an academic paper, which is cool and fine. And, you know, if you're passionate about some area, then, you know, you got to read boring stuff sometimes. But that's not what people want to purchase and set as a a representation of self. It's got to it's got to really boil down to something that is easily shareable and translatable, you know? So enjoy daily life, I think, is an incredible summation of, of a lot of work that we've put in and what we're trying to stand for as a business. Were there any false starts in trying to define that, like places where you just really couldn't figure it out? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of interesting conversations. We spent almost like a week or two debating the value of do versus be. So... For example, a lot of the areas that we're focusing on are activities where we're trying to encourage people to do things, right? So, you know, cooking as the first one and we'll move around the house into other areas where, you know, you can organize, you can improve or fix stuff, looking at hobbies, looking at these things that are combinations of like the hands and the mind. So you're, you're you know, engaged physically and mentally at the same time, which is doing. But we had a, a long debate of are we trying to move people more to being present, which is more, you know, being, right? So if on the spectrum, Americans as, you know, a a culture and a a country built on performance and really hallmarks of capitalism, you know, efficiency and optimization and growth, that's, it's doing work, you know, it's, Nike's tagline is just do it, right? It's like even Outdoor Voices with its somewhat provocative reframing of that is doing things. And I think we thought a lot about, do we want to get people to think less about doing and more about being? But I think it's kind of like, in some ways, they're interchangeable because the journey is the destination. So 
by doing, you can actually be more, which means that you're you're just present. You know, there's a lot of great books and stuff out there. Like we love the book, um, How to Do Nothing. And it talks about how like one of the biggest forms of resistance our generation can do is just taking back the intentionality of our time. No doubt Patton's concept is brilliant and thoughtfully executed. No one can deny that. But the real challenge comes, one would imagine, when you try to sell the joy of daily life to investors concerned with bottom lines and returns. And Patton needed investment before they could afford to let absolutely everyone on the staff move away from client work. We're still a small business and, you know, we had to win, complete work, pay payroll, pay our expenses. And we didn't have a backer to support us through that process. So some of the high stress moments were trying to start this new thing while also running the existing company as well. And how did the fundraising process go? You know, how did you deal with the ups and downs there and maybe investors loving the pitch and some not seeing your vision? How was that? Yeah, I think it's hard when you're going and telling people your story and there's some people who are very skeptical and some people who love the idea and some people love the idea but think you're not the right person to go after it. And, you know, we probably talked to 30 to 40 investors over the time period, all the way from you know, very large investment funds to, you know, seed funds. And I think the big learning process for us was figuring out not how we pitch, but who was the right partner for us and who saw and understood the world in the same way as us. And when you first go into these meetings and people say no to you, you think it's because you're doing badly, but actually it's really because they see the world differently than you. And it's nothing to do with your pitch or how you present it to them. It's just there's a fundamental misalignment between how businesses are built and where value comes from. And the first investor who said they would lead our round was Eric Feng from Kleiner Perkins. And what he saw the commonality with Pattern was towards how companies in gaming had been built in kind of the late 2000s. And he saw a similar transformation from all these mobile games being built separately, but then bigger groups coming together to figure out how things could work together. And a big company called Zynga was built from that thesis that Kleiner Perkins backed. And there were also similarities to how they saw how Amazon was built in its early days as well. And I think he was the first person who was really able to empathize and understand how we were seeing the world and why we weren't just seeing a small iteration on the next era of consumer, but a big jump. And I think that was part of the challenge with some investors where they were looking for slight iterations of what they knew already rather than the big jump into kind of a new way of seeing consumer. Each of the founding team had instincts driving their confidence in the rise of D2C. And they're not alone in their thinking. So, Kathy, I'll put up a chart, one way to illustrate this. And just to explain it, the white line is basically the non-traditional bricks and mortar sales going up. The blue is general merchandise, which is not coming off dramatically, but sort of drifting down. The yellow line is department store equities divided by overall, which you can see the department stores are really taking a hit. What does this tell us about how retail is emerging in this country? Well, what it tells us is you're seeing a huge emergence of direct-to-consumer brands completely disrupt the retailing sector. Well, it's fascinating for me because we tend to think it's all Amazon, 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 but you're talking about brands now. There are brands that are direct-to-consumer. Forget Amazon. And while this pivot from gin lane to D2C brings ongoing to-dos, the wheels of the business just kept turning, giving rise to new challenges. 
just an agency operation model is quite different. And so it was going through and figuring out something as simple as what meetings do we need to have? Who needs to approve what? How many people need to see each thing? What what process do we go through? And at least for me personally on the brand side, it was thinking about how do you change your process from one that is about extracting insights from a founder and a business that already exists into extracting insights from the market and then from ourselves of our own points of view and what we can create as a business and then actually defining that. You know, it's, it takes time to figure out, but it just gets easier. I mean, especially in we're still creating several brands. And so we've had luckily already a rep at it. As the team continued working and building away, the launch was fast approaching. Could you talk us through the launch strategy and like how you plan to share pattern with the world? Yeah, we we were really intentional about wanting pattern to launch first before any of the brands that are selling products. Because I think, again, speaking to this notion of a mission and it in and of itself being a consumer facing brand, we wanted the root of this idea to speak for itself first. And so we needed a way to convey that to a consumer that isn't necessarily muddied by any sales or products. It's it's really just about this moment when we can get out there and say, hey, this is who we are and this is what we're about. And also giving credence to the transition moment that it was from Gin Lane to this new company. It was something that we wanted to be very careful about in honoring what we had done as an agency, honoring all of those partners that we had worked with and making sure that that didn't feel diminished in any way, but that it felt additive and that it was carrying over into this new direction and and new culmination of, of learnings. And were there any moments where you maybe felt a bit of fear around like saying goodbye to Jin Lane, something that was so successful and moving on to a new thing with Patton? Not really. You know, I think there's a lot of feelings around it of saying goodbye to Jin Lane just from the perspective of what it has given to all of us and what it has been and meant. But I wouldn't say fear is one of the emotions. No, I think I think we're all really ready for this next step and next challenge and excited to learn more. I, I just think we're a group that is constantly learning and I think we're excited to go back to zero when you're at that moment when you don't know anything and you're really uncomfortable. That is probably the most motivating feeling in the world. And so it was time to share Pattern with the world. The website went live, Nick and Emmett turned to Twitter to share their vision for the company, and the press coverage was rolling in. So you guys decided, hey, you know, we're making hey. so much money on this other thing, let's just blow it up and start anew, right? Yeah, well, thanks for having us on Cheddar. That's Emmett and Nick on Cheddar, a video network covering business and tech. The Pattern story was also covered by Fast Company, Forbes, Business Insider, and more. Enjoy daily life. And after a few days of back-to-back meetings and press calls, it was time for the Pattern launch event. We sent our producer, Max Miller, to check in with everyone. Okay, are, are you ready? Yeah. All right, hi, I'm Camille Baldwin. Um, yeah, excited, we're here at the event tonight, launch party, USA 2019, August 8th, so. How are you feeling? I feel awesome. This is the culmination of 
years of work, frankly, that have all come together really nicely this week. And we've gotten so much love and support from so many communities of ours, friends, family, industry. And this just feels like the, the cake topper that we get to celebrate tonight. It's a little nerve wracking, definitely, for sure. But I think, you know, nervous excitement is the energy. Um, you know, we've already been working at this for several months behind the scenes. So I think some of the initial jitters are kind of gone. It's more just doing it now and and we're kind of we've got our sea legs so to speak well actually can you just like so what is going on here what like i, I mean nobody can see this what what yeah. what's around us um what's the event what's going on yeah so at our launch party we are in greenpoint brooklyn outside which is a feat in new york city our event has a field day theme to it so i don't know if you or your listeners have um heard of field days when you were growing up elementary school we did you know sack races and tie-dye and all that good stuff and that was really the inspiration for this is kind of getting people to do things with their hands and take a moment away from their phones away from work and just remembering that childlike wonder and curiosity that makes everyday fun so we have um, three little stations here going on cakes with Catherine watercolor with Andrea plant care with Rosie um, and so at each one we're trying to just give people a sense of you know what it feels like to sort of immerse in an activity that brings you to the present moment and again gets you off your phones. Hey, do you mind if I ask you some questions? Sure. So, uh, what, what's your name? James. Are you are you planning on partaking in the coloring booths and everything? I'm definitely gonna check out the plant booth. That could be cool. I'm doing it all. I'm, I'm gonna definitely do some cornhole. Hey, what's your name? Babov. Babov. Uh, what brings you here today? So I work at Pattern, um, and I was helping kind of plan the party today. So yeah. Cool. What um, what did you know about Gin Lane or Pattern before you came on board? Yeah. So I have always been super interested in like the consumer retail space and like the whole like digitally native brand thing. So Gin Lane's been on my radar as like they're obviously like the kingmaker in that space. Um, and so when I was in school, I was like looking for like a cool place to intern where I could learn a ton about the space. For someone who doesn't understand, like, is it a big deal that they're kind of like just totally changing the playbook? I mean, they have a successful company and they're doing yeah. something totally different now, right? I mean, not to they're doing something different. They're yeah. you said that they're the king, but they're they're changing the kingdom. Yeah, like they're it's absolutely like a super bold move. Like you have like a incredibly successful agency, like one of the best in this space. Um, you're making money and to like shut it like you know change things over like take the take your whole team with you and like get all these people who've been working on the agency for like 10 years and like shift everyone over to your vision and have them kind of stay the course with you is like pretty cool uh hey can i ask you some questions um what's your name max your name is max my name is max nice to meet you max nice to meet you max well well met um what brings you here today a uh, friend of emmett's and a uh, long time Supporter of Jin Lane. Cool. Well, now Pattern. Now Pattern. That's a big uh, shift. Do you think it's a bit of a gamble? Um, no, not at all. I think this is going to be a trend you see reflected um, across all different types of work. People looking to move things in-house and create uh, more meaningful work and work experiences. This is the, uh, the watercolor station? Yes. We're here doing watercoloring. This is the first time that I've ever done that. What's your name? My name is July. What brings you here today? So we're with Two Bridges, 
a not-for-profit organization on the Lower East Side and we provide, on top of affordable housing, we provide a whole array of community programs. And uh, we've been partners with Jin Lane, but usually on the receiving end of, you know, their help in various kinds, whether it's strategic support or, you know, direct financial contributions. We, you know, just are very thankful and uh, proud to be partners with them and um, very proud that they, this is a big day for them. Yo, just let you know it may rain, but we're going to be rocking all night so we could just go inside and it'll be done in like 20, 30 minutes, I promise. Okay, thanks everyone for coming. I'm Emmett from Lola. I'm Nick from London. We promise not to be too long. <laughs> Shout or something. Um, Many in our generation have lost the ability to find enjoyment in everyday moments, the simple pleasures of doing something or even nothing for the joy of it, not to improve yourself or be more productive. Here tonight to announce we're on a mission to bring it back, to enjoy daily life. Let's just have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> the launch event had a few unavoidable hiccups. Rain, technical glitches, but the team embraced these challenges and made the most of the event. I think the last six months have been way harder than we thought they would be. Convincing 30 people to change their lives with you, to go from gin lane to pattern, is like, it's a journey, right? And I think now is the time where we have to like live up to these ambitions that we're putting out there. And I think that's become really real for us in the past 48 hours. But I also think that if you want to do something, you have to fully embrace it. Yeah, it's, it, it's kind of surreal in some ways because I spent years thinking about it and it motivates me to just stay focused and do good work because I think a lot of people believe in us and a lot of people want us to live up to our, our message and our mission. The Pattern brand is rooted in community and finding joy in everyday moments, and you can see that reflected in their launch. Now from here, they're only a few weeks away from launching their first product brand, Equal Parts, to market. Tune in to the next episode to find out how they approach this challenge. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>